Hey, this is the Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 39. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan. Today we're at the top tier with the competitive commanders of Commander. Now hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for another exciting adventure. How you doing? I'm good. What's going down? Whole lot's going down. We've reached the apex, the pinnacle, the top tier of the most competitive form of Commander, and I hate it. <laughs> you hate everything. But we are in the bigger, awesomer studio that overlooks the snowy Saskatchewan River. We are that. So it, we apologize for the audio quality, too, if it's 1% worse than it normally is. A few if you have a problem with it. E, really? Yeah, yeah. More, more or less. Yeah. So top tier of Commander? Top tier of Commander. Tier one. I can't believe we're here. Who are we doing? Yidris the Maelstrom Wielder? Uh, is that what he's called? Yeah. I feel like that's his name. More or less. Well, but uh, before is. we get into them, social media shoutouts. Social media shoutouts. Or Wait. social media coordinates, coordinates. And then shoutouts? Yes. We are CCO Podcast on tappedout.net. That's where you can see, I think, today's list and any other list we're going to talk about in the future or have talked about in the past. We're also CCO Podcast on Twitter. We are Commander Cookout on Gmail, Google, Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, Patreon, Commander Society, and edhrec.com and Potomatic, where we are number two for a brief moment we were number two right behind the scrapbooking ninnies and this being the last episode in the arc of escalation spoiler alert next week we're going to have an in-between episode and the list is specifically designed with the sole purpose of taking down the scrapbooking ninnies so be prepared for that yeah it's uh it's super good shout outs Shoutouts to the people who sent in Sliver Planeswalkers. Yeah, we got lots, eh? Yeah, there's been a few. We haven't forgot about you. We, I don't think that I've responded to anybody or everybody. I'm going to say <laughs> everybody to make me not sound like a dick. Keep sending them in. It's still going to be a contest, so get those in. Shoutout to new patron, Geoff, Jeff Gustafson of our own playgroup. Neat. Yeah. Isn't people say People have said that they want to hear more about our playgroup. Really? So, patron Jeff, he's part of it. Yes, he, he is. He's pretty cool. Speaking of our playgroup and people who aren't our patrons, we have friend of the show? He's friend of ours in real life. I don't know if he's a friend of the show. Yeah, F you, Joel. We got Joel here. Hey, guys. How's it going? Look at hey. There he is. Well, we can't talk about douchebag commander without having our most douchebag commander friend, right? I think he's like our second most douchebag commander. Who would be number one? Yeah. Fucking Jesse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know if... He's the most douchebag commander, or just the way in which he plays is the most douchebag? Either way, F him and F you too. And F you too, Ben, because you F you. <sighs> Joel's here. We're talking about Yidris Maelstrom Wielder. Let's give him a, let's give him a good read. Okay. Oh, man, I can't, I can't see shit. You read him. I actually can't see the words on the card. Brando's too far away from the computer screen, so yeah. I'll read. Yidris Maelstrom Wielder is an ogre wizard. Ogre wizard? What? One of those creature types is relevant. Ogre. Couldn't ogre be relevant? Uh, no. Is there like a didgeridoo for ogres? I like the no. reference, but no. Because that would be sweet. <laughs> that would be awesome. Okay, Yidris Maelstrom Wander, Wielder, Ogre Wizard, 5-4 for blue, black, red, green. It's got trample. And whenever Yidris Maelstrom Wielder deals combat damage to a player, as you cast spells from your hand this turn, they gain Cascade. Ooh. And Cascade is, whenever you cast a spell, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card that casts, costs less, and you can cast that. For free. And Joel 
is a judge. So just real quickly, we want to go into the timing on Cascade because whether we touch on it in the episode today or not, it's important in how to play the deck and how to play Cascade when all cards that you cast after you hit your opponent with Yidris have Cascade. So I swing at you, Yidris deals five damage, and then I cast a four drop. So the cool thing about Cascade is it's not when the spell actually resolves. It's when you cast it. Exactly. So as soon as you put the spell on the stack, let's say you have a lightning bolt. You cast lightning bolt targeting me. Yep. As soon as you cast it. Well. As soon as you put it on the stack. Before targets are declared. Whoa. You judge. actually start flipping cards off the top of your library till you get to a spell that has a lower converted mana cost so it would have to be a zero drop in the case in point that we're talking about yeah so the cool thing about yidris this deck specifically and we'll get into this more later is you actually play a lot of things that could be cascaded into off of your one mana spells Ooh, stupid competitive commander <laughs> exactly so you you cast a one drop you're gonna get a mana source or you're gonna draw three cards or you can actually make everybody at the table discard their hands and draw seven new cards Ooh. for free. Essentially, you put the card on the stack, you flip something over until you hit something with lesser converted mana cost, that thing gets cast, and then your original spell gets cast, correct? Exactly. Then you take all the other cards that you flipped to get to the card that you're casting with Cascade, take all those cards, shuffle them up, and you put them on the bottom of your deck. Yeah. Neat. Yep. Cascade is fun. Cascade is like one of the most broken mechanics that's ever been made in Magic. Dredge. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. The last thing before we get into the deck list. Remember, we are looking at the Commander tier list. This is the tier one list that's managed by the Gigabeast, Sonnet666, and Niraj ED. Link will be in the show notes. And remember from last time we talked about tier one, nine commanders. Tier 1.5, 16 commanders. This is the smallest... Cohort? Is that cohort the word? Cohort of, of commanders in all of the, uh, how many are there? 700 and some? 696? That's including some of the silver-bordered ones as well, I believe. Uh, but, yeah. They're all in the list, yeah. There's an effing lot. You know what's funny is on Tapped Out, this list of 700 commanders is 51% casual and 49% competitive. I think a lot of people have a different view of what competitive is, right? Like, yeah. I remember when I first started playing EDH with you guys... From my super casual playgroup to people who actually had cards that were from before Lorwyn, I was like, what? What do you mean, Shocklands? This is the most overpowered thing I've ever seen. Yep. Yep, for sure. Um, also of note, and I wanted to read this on the uh, the Tier 5 Misty... No, Misty Rainforest. What's his Mist name? Misty Mist Formaltimus. I wanted to read that green, 302 uh, legends... Oh. 332 white, 298 blue, 358 black, and 290 red. Poor blue getting shafted. Oh, like yeah. Poor, does in poor magic. blue of in course, Commander. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Blue doesn't get near enough stuff. So let's read the, uh, the Tier 1 description, and then we're going to get right into the list here. Tier 1 lists are defined as these decks are the most powerful in the format. The combo decks can go off on turns 3 to 5. The stacks decks can get a lock on 3 to 4. The hybrid decks get disruption engine on by turns 2 to 4. They will commonly be seen at competitive tables and players should know how to combat them. They are resilient, pack protection and backup plans and take dedicated hate to truly counter. Never underestimate these decks as they are the strongest in the format. Yes, that's the Tier 1 and there is no description for Tier 1.5 but it's worth note that the tier 1.5, in my opinion, can 
100% hold their own in a pod of tier one decks, but they might be a little bit less resilient. They're a little bit more susceptible to disruption, or maybe they're a lit like one turn slower. Last last week we talked about tier two being slower and susceptible to disruption. Right. Tier one point five is one of those two conditions versus the tier one, which is resilient and packs their own disruption. Jesus. So the tier one point five decks are also very good. Exactly. Like I think for some of the tier one point five lists that they have here, they have Brea in uh in tier one point five. And that's a deck in competitive EDH. That is a complete glass cannon. Yeah. If anybody does anything, you breathe on it, it's out for the rest of the game. It, you can't even do anything. But you don't breathe on it, and it's going to wreck your whole day. On, like, turn two. Yeah. Uh. So that's a tier point. Animar, same way. Exactly. You play one Torpor Orb, and who plays Torpor Orb in competitive commander? Not very many lists. I but would. you play Torpor Orb against Animar, done. So, well, stack stacks play effects like that, right? I suppose, yeah. Even things that make your creatures come to play tapped with Animar. You can't go off half the time anymore. Yeah. The list. So you heard about Yidris. He is a Cascade enabler. And essentially, we've got two two packages in this deck and then some disruption. But before we get into that, let's go through the actual recipe. Now, the list that we're looking at is by tapped out user BFMV1619. And at the end of the show, we also have Joel's own list that he had made up. So the list that we're looking at right now over 5,900 views on Tapped Out. It's got a okay. bunch of comments, bunch of upvotes. So I think that this list is at least legit enough for other people to not hate it because they viewed it 5,900 times. So creatures, eight creatures. We've got something like Birds of Paradise. It's a mana dork. Green, yep. flies, zero, one, tap for any color mana. Bloom Tender, one, one, tap for a mana of each color of permanent you control. When you have Yidris, excellent because it taps for four mana. Dark Confidant, one, two, at the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card, lose life equal to its converted mana cost. Did Bloom Tender cost thirty-one dollars? That's like seventy-seven oh yeah, that fifty good. Canadian. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. Well, really? I, don't, I don't think it's been reprinted since nope. like forever. Like, isn't that even tied? That is even tied. Yep. Huh. All right. Good to know. Death Rate Shaman. He's really good. Yep. He's a mana rock. He's a graveyard hate card. He's he's everything all he's in all one. All kinds of stuff. Jace Vrin's Prodigy. He flips into a Planeswalker after he loots a bunch. Brando's favorite, Laboratory Maniac. If you were to draw cards with no cards in your library, instead of losing, you... Win. Ah. Talk about a win con right there. Notion Thief. If an opponent would draw a card except for the first one he or she draws in each of his draw steps, or hers, instead, that player skips it, you draw it. So it's kind of like, you want to play draw dot deck? No, just kidding. I'm going to draw everything. And doesn't Notion Thief also have Flash too? So you can play it at any point in time? Very much so. I know I have definitely, somebody's cast Brainstorm. You play Notions Thief. You draw three cards, and they still need to discard two cards. <laughs> That's a beating. I never yeah, even I thought like of that. that. Oh, like yeah. That. And Snapcaster Mage. Now, admittedly, of the creatures, Snapcaster Mage is two mana for a 2-1 flash. Cast them. Something in your graveyard gains flashback. Okay, so just remember flashback from your graveyard just for one second. I'm going to talk about creatures for a little bit longer. Notion Thief is... And Lab Maniac, the odd man's out. Because Notion Thief costs four. Everything else costs one or two. Lab Maniac only costs two? Oh, there's three. Lab Maniac is the other odd man because right. he costs three. F but that guy. He, you actually use him to win the game. Shocking. Yeah. Lots of the time, Lab Maniac is probably the second last <laughs> spell you cast. <clears throat> Sorry, I got a cold, everybody. So, I think we all have colds. Let's be let's be honest. Yes, there's some kind of plague going around Canada right Saskatchewan. now. I'm sick. Kyla's sick. You're sick. Joel's sick. Yep. 
out of everybody's sick. Everybody at my workplace, half of them were sick this week. It has been terrible. I can't even see outside because it's just white. Brutal. Yeah. So creatures eight. They are either um, well, you'll see combo enablers or mana dorks. Very important. Yeah. Moving on. Instance nineteen sorceries twenty three. Oh lordy, this is, is a spell slinger deck. Instance abrupt decay. I'm gonna read them. Brando's gonna shout them out. What? Okay. Abrupt decay. Kill a thing. Ad nauseum. Win the game. Brainstorm. Draw some cards. Chain of vapor. Bounce some stuff. Cyclonic rift. Bounce more stuff. Dramatic reversal. Win the game. Win the game. <laughs> Force of will. Stop somebody else from winning the game. Frantic search. Draw some cards. Gush. Draw cards. Hercules recall. Bounce some stuff. Impulse. Draw more cards. Intuition. Win the game. <laughs> I'd like that. Win the game. Yeah, Intuition. Sure. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Limduel's vault. Draw some cards. Wait, that's a that's a tutor. That's a tutor. That's a tutor. We love me some tutors in this list. Mystical tutor. Tutor. Nature's claim. Disruption. Noxious revival. That's Ooh. recursion, I believe. Yes. I think it's, recursion. it's pretty cool because I think you also in this deck you're also using it as disruption a lot of the time too. Somebody else pitches a lot of stuff into their graveyard, and before they get to get it back to win, you put it on top of their deck. Yes, yeah, so Noxious mm. Revival is an instant for green Phyrexian mana. You can pay a green or two life to cast it and put target card from a graveyard on top of its owner's library. I guess you could really use that to F somebody that's doing the same thing we're doing, couldn't you? A hundred percent. If you have... Uh, that's that dedicated hate that we talked about when we read the tier description. Snapcaster Mage and something gains flashback. flashback. You just Noxious Revival what they were going to... Right? You have to do it before they cast it or whatever, right? But So we like that one. Paradoxical Outcome. I'm going to read this guy because this guy is a beating in this deck. Okay, so it's an instant for blue three. Return any number of target non-land non-token permanents you control to their owner's hand, then draw a card for each that you return this way. Whoa. Yeah. So, newsflash, CCO Nation, everything that's bounce a bunch of cards, except for Cyclonic Rift, you bounce your own stuff. Why? Because then you can play it again. And with a deck like this, you play so many mana rocks that what you're going to do is you're going to tap all of your stuff for mana, put tons into your mana pool, bounce it all with Paradoxical Outcome, draw a crap ton of cards, play all your rocks out again, and just win the game. Paradoxical Outcome or Chain of Vapor or Hercules Recall, these are all mass bounce spells. And so they're so good with when we talk about our mana rocks in the artifact section, you're going to see they're the equivalent of card draw spells because they're just putting tons of cards back into your hand. I like it. I like it too. So moving to the sorceries, just really quick because you're going to see a common trend here. Ancestral Vision. Draw cards. Demonic Tutor. Tutor. Imperial Seal. Tutor. Past in Flames. Let's call that a win the game. Yes, that is Yogmoth's a win the game. Yogmoth's Will. Win the game. Mm. Ponder. Preordain. Draw, draw, dig. Yeah. Time Spiral. Time Twister. Wheel of Fate. Wheel of Fortune. Draw, 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 draw. Newsflash. We're playing a Storm deck. That's what this seems like, right? Yeah. If we go mm. into the artifact section, 21 artifacts. Chrome Mox. Demir Signet. Galgari Signet. Gruel Signet, all mana rocks. Rock, 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 rock. Helm of Awakening. Spells cost one less to cast. Your one drop mana rocks now cost one. Or none. Zero. None. 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 They cost yes. none. Um, I thought you said two. I hear the best. Lotus Bloom, Lotus Petal, Mana Crypt, Mana Vault, Mox Diamond, Mox Opal. Pretty much if you've got Lotus or Mox in your name and you're legal and commander, you're in this deck. Hooray. Yeah, so. We're looking at what is vintage light, oh, or, or is this an actual vintage deck? Because a lot of the cards that I've read so far are just 
straight up restricted in vintage, and well, you can only play one of them. There's a lot of these cards that you you see in vintage now, like anything from Doomsday, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yeah, I'm probably not. Things like Paradoxical Outcome, like Paradox Storm is a vintage deck right now. Oh, vintage! It's so broken. So. That paradoxical outcome card that we just mentioned where you bounce everything and then draw. Let's say you have three moxes and a bunch of lotuses and a bunch of one-drop mana rocks in play. You float eight or nine mana from all that. You bounce those six or seven mana rocks, so you have them all in your hand, and you drew eight or nine cards. Play all your mana rocks again for free or for one. Tap all the mana again, so now you have, you know, 16, 19, 18 mana in your mana pool. You play the eight or nine cards that you drew, and then you play... Well, if you haven't won at that point, you're probably doing something wrong. Well, that's just the thing. <laughs> How you win is either going to be Tendrils of Agony. Let's give that one a read, Brando. Tendrils of Agony is a sorcery for two black, black. Target player loses two life, you gain two life, and it has Storm. So Storm is when you cast this spell, copy it for each spell played before it this turn. You may choose new targets for the copy. Very good. Yeah, so if you play 20, 30... 40 spells in a turn? Somebody's going to eat a whole bag of dicks for Christmas dinner. That's very topical. And another yeah. thing that this uh, deck takes advantage of when it comes to storming, if you look in the artifact section a little bit down there, we also have Aetherflux Reservoir as well. That's exactly where I was going because that essentially is storm for life. Exactly. And then you pay 50 life to deal 50 damage to target creature or player. Now, how often do you hit a creature with that card? I would hope never. Yes, exactly. Unless so, it's Stuffy Dogs, that would be funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. I want a Aetherflux Reservoir a Stuffy Doll now. That's our combo. Aetherflux, cut, cut Lab Maniac. He's out. <laughs> Get rid of that guy. Yeah, yeah, stuffy yeah. Doll in. <laughs> so Aetherflux Reservoir is actually from Kaladesh, and it's a four-mana artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn. Every time you cast a spell, you gain one, then you gain two, then you gain three, then you gain four, right? Yeah. You cast 10 spells in a turn, that's like 100 life or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, lots. It's lots. lots, yeah. Math. Pay 50 life, colon, which, which, <laughs> which is awesome. Pay 50 life, right? Aetherflux Reservoir deals 50 damage to dark creature or player. Dang. And costs the same amount of mana as Tendrils of Agony, which is four converted mana cost total. Enchantment. One enchantment, and we're going to get into the uh, enchantments again later in the uh, budget or potential includes section at the end of the show. But right now, Sylvan Library, and that's a little uh, little ditty. It's almost like Brainstorm um, Enchantment Green 1. At the beginning of your draw step, you draw two additional cards. If you do, choose two cards from your hand to put them back uh, on top of your library. If you don't, you pay uh, four life, four per life card. for each one. Well, was for for um, Sylvan Library, it's you draw three cards, but then you put two of those cards that you drew back. Yeah. I yeah. feel there actually are people that will draw that stuff and misinterpret it kind of like that, and they put just cards that they don't want yeah, back on yeah, top. Yeah, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. You, you draw three, then two of the ones that you draw you put back, or one of them, or none of them. It's well, important to know the distinction in competitive commander because part of being competitive is people are going to call you on that shit. Yep. Well, and another thing about Sylvan Library in this deck specifically, Sylvan Library reads, in your draw step, draw three cards, pay eight life. Yeah, you only need to Every do that time. one, maybe two times in that, a deck like this, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking uh, before the show about Yidris being tier one, threat of activation. He probably has that more than any other commander in the tier one or two list because as soon as he's 
on the battlefield, you have to kill him because if you don't and he hits somebody and Cascade becomes, air quotes, active, you're probably going to win the game. Yeah, and like if you look at a lot of the other tier one generals that are trying to do the same kind of combo things, they're all based on getting cards for free, playing stuff for discounted mana costs. And Yidris is just the king of that. Yeah, because he gives them to you for free, the ultimate discount. Exactly. The And some in, of the cards... In some cases, the card actually makes you mana. The yeah. card makes you mana, and you draw more cards, so you can play more cards from your hand and get more free cards. He's pretty good. Wow. Moving on, because we're crunching a lot into this episode. Lands, 27. And I got a little note beside the 27. A, yeah, it's not very many. B, the converted mana cost is very low, so you don't need very many. C, no utility lands in this deck. Straight to the business. Dang. Right? Because well, utility lands come into play tapped, or they tap for colorless mana, and who gives a shit about that with Yidras? Exactly. You need four mana on turn two, three, or four to cast Yidras ASAP and Newsflash. It's all different colored mana. A utility land isn't gonna be isn't gonna make up for any lack in power that you that you lose by playing the utility land over casting Yidris ASAP. And this deck, if you do look at the mana base, it does carry the full suite of five color lands too. Like you have your command tower, you have your uh mana confluence. Should be a city of brass in here. If there's the, not there's, there's a city, not of, brass a city of brass in here. There's not. Dang it. Play there, city of brass. There should be a city of brass in here. Get on it. I'm I'm seeing lots of fetches, lots of utility, or sorry, lots of uh, dual lands. One of each basic land that you can run, right? Like, it's nothing spectacular, and it leads to a very expensive deck, which we're going to talk about later as well. Yes. Tutors. Eight. Eight tutors. It's not even enough. What are well, we playing, tier three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, right? The commander acts almost as a pseudo tutor because you cast after you hit and and you get cascade active you cast something and you dig for the next thing and then of course you cast it then you cast something else out of your hand and then you cascade again and then you cast something else out of your hand and cascade again you just have to sequence the converted mana cost correctly to continue being able to cast things out of your hand the wording on yidris Means only cards you cast from your hand have cascade. Yes, correct. Yes. That's very important to note. Yes, you're not so going to cast. You're not going to cast a five, get a four, cascade. to get a three, to get a two, to get a one, to get a nothing. That, that won't happen. Broke magic more than cascade already did. Yes, <laughs> and well, if you look back to when cascade wasn't standard, like when these cards were printed way back in the day, they people actually built decks that were five drop cascade card into four, into three, into two, and that's what they tried to do was just cascade. You know. Five spells for the price of one. Yeah, Bituminous Blast into Bloodbraid Elf into what was the three drop? Um, Violent there was Outburst. Two. Violent, Violent Outburst. Outburst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, into Terminate. Yeah, yep. oh. and then you then you attack with Bloodbraid because you've killed something with Bituminous Blast and you've killed something with Terminate, and then and Bloodbraid Elf has haste. Bloodbraid Elf has yeah. haste, and if it was Violent Outburst, it gives all your attacking creatures plus one plus zero, oh, and you swing for more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could also I fuck up your life. No, you, take four. You, yeah, you could also <laughs> cascade from Bloodbraid Elf into Blightning. If anybody remembers that, that was so terrible. That was such a beating. Blightning. What is that? Three mana, deal three damage to someone's face, and, and they discard a card. Two, two, two cards. Two cards. Oh my gosh! At least they get to pick which two, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> on topic. Planeswalkers. Yeah. One. Jace Vrin's prodigy. He's a creature, but he transforms. Um, once you, what is it, have five cards in your graveyard here? Let's give him a read. He is a 0-2. What a loser, Jace. For blue, one, 
human wizard, tap, draw a card, then discard a card. So he loots. If there are five or more cards in your graveyard, exile Jay's friend's prodigy, then return him to the battlefield transformed under his owner's control. And the flip side is Jace, telepath unbound. He is a five loyalty planeswalker Jace. You plus one him up to one target creature gets minus two, minus zero until end of turn. Read the relevant ability, Ryan. Uh, Read minus, the relevant one. Minus three. You may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. If that card would be put into your graveyard, you exile it. There so you go. Pretty so much. That, that's the. Yeah, and who cares right? about the bottom one? You're never going to play that ever. <laughs> that that minus three. It's pretty much like a snapcaster on a planeswalker. Yeah. Yep. So as soon as you flip them, you can use an ability. So you'll just snap back a spell, flashback anything in your graveyard, which is pretty strong. And the nice thing about Jace is he actually will stay around afterwards too. If the game does go to more turns, which I'm sure we'll talk about that later, <laughs> um, the, he his power is the fact that he does he stays there after yeah. he does his relevant ability and uh, and then does an irrelevant ability the, once the, the front to side too. We can't discount the front side because you can cast him on turn one and you can start looting, start filling up your graveyard for the Yogmoth Wills and the Past in Flames Storm Root. Right now. Just finishing up before we talk about one of the elephants in the room that we've already mentioned once, card draw spells, 23. And this includes Snapcaster Mage, Past in Flames, Yogmoth's Will, Mind's Desire. These are all things that either let you dig deeper into your deck or let you flash something back. You draw your Snapcaster Mage, that's the functional equivalent to whatever instant and sorcery you have in your graveyard. Which probably with draws a two mana extra added on. So those those count. There's 23 of them. That sounds like a combo deck. Targeted removal. This is hand disruption, cyclonic rift, not overloaded, vandal blast, not overloaded. Nine of them. Sounds like a control deck. It's not bad. We can fit in 23 draw spells and nine targeted removal spells because car cards do double duties. And we're Dewey. in all of the correct colors to do so. Mass removal. Cyclonic Rift and Vandal Blast. There's the double duty again. <laughs> There's two of them. <laughs> not that many, but you're not going to run into a whole ton of creature decks that need Wrathing in the uh, the Tier 1 category, right? Well, yeah. and that's one of the things that I find actually pretty interesting about the competitive EDH is because everybody's so low on creature removal, there are some creature decks that are incredibly powerful. Like Yidris. Let's call him a creature deck because if you don't have the removal form and he hits you... You're just going to die. Yeah, that's the or end of your life. How many creatures are other people going to have out? He has trample. As long as he deals some amount of yeah. damage to people. The creatures that have a, a five or larger ass by the time you play Idris. It's yeah. very On rare. turn, well, you could play him as early as turn two. Is yeah. somebody going to have a five ass creature on turn three? Doubtful. What are the five ass creatures that get played in competitive commander that you could play on turn three? I don't think it's mm. even just like single creatures that are that big. It'd be more like, oh, Animar. I have three of them. a scavenging <laughs> ooze. Yeah, it could be at And Animar. he's got pro black, so it wouldn't even... Yeah, well, no, he still has to be bigger than he five. He still has to be bigger than five, yeah. Because he'll trample over you. Yeah. Okay, ramp spells. Two. I'm going to add also time spiral and frantic search because when you cast them, you untap lands. And mm. if you can use your lands over again... I'm going to count that as ramp spell because essentially you get a free card draw spell or a free draw seven. And if you think about it, talking earlier about Aetherflux Reservoir or any of the storm cards in the deck, each time you cast one of those spells that untaps your lands, you're essentially getting free storm count as well, yep. which in a deck like this is super important. Yep. Mana Rocks and Dorks. 
23. It's lots. 23. And we've gone into it a little bit. We've got mana rocks at the 0, 1, and 2 drop slot. And if you can do rock signet on turn 1 and then a appropriately fetch for the right color dual lands or whatever, you could have a turn 2 Yidris. That's very good. You could do appropriate color fetch into dual land with a turn two rock and have a Yidris on turn three, like very high percentage of the time, turn three Yidris. I mean, it's, that's that's what ramp does, right? It gives you a turn or two advantage to do whatever is the most powerful thing. In this deck, your commander, because as soon as he hits, you're going to pretty much win. And I think one thing that we'll talk about in a bit here too, why the converted mana cost in the deck is so low is because when we're looking into, you know, regular casual EDH decks, I know we always talk, you guys always talk about how, you know, your eight mana spell better win you the game. Yeah. When we're talking about this, if your four or five mana spell doesn't win you the game, then you're doing something wrong. I love it. Yeah. So just for reference, um, 27 land in the deck, but when you look at how many zero drops are on the tapped out list, there's 36. So that is nine extra things that cost zero mana. Because nothing. Anything can cascade into those things, which is not negligible. And that's one thing that you actually have to think about when you're playing the deck. If you play a one-mana spell, you know you're either going to cascade into something that'll draw your cards, make you discard your hand and draw seven, or a mana source. That's you're all you're going to cascade you into. You're guaranteed one of those three things. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so how to play or lines of play. I already covered the turn one play, mana rock or dork, into... Uh, Yidris ASAP. So when we're looking at... So if we're talking lines of play, should we just say it like this? Storm deck, Doomsday, and then just move on to uh, Strengths and Weaknesses? Card of the Week? Spice Calculator? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but there is is more to it than that. (laughs) When you look at why the deck is good or or what density you have to play things at to make the deck good, um, when you look at the amount of zero and one drop dorks and rocks, you're looking at ten... Zero or one drops, and ten two drops. Those are rocks and dorks. Over 50% chance to to get that by turn two, and Yidris on turn three. So one out of every two games, you're going to have Yidris on turn two, and that number only increases when you run the math for the percent chance to get it on turn, like to, to do the play on turn one to get Yidris on turn two. Realistically, like three out of every four games, almost, you're going to have Yidris attacking somebody on turn three. And remember, he's got Trample. So whatever their turn two, three play is, if it doesn't have five in the butt or kill Yidris, you're going to be able to start attempting to go off. And another one of the things that makes this deck so powerful is if somebody spends their turn trying to kill Yidris or trying to make enough butts on their field to block Yidris... You can just go off a different way. Or you can just combo turn. them out. You can doomsday them. Yes. Or cast Yidris again and, and kill them next turn. And don't yeah. forget, they're actively not winning if they're trying to kill Yidris. Yeah. They've basically exactly. time-walked themselves and discarded some cards and spent resources and time and all kinds of things to just stop you from winning. That's right. So, okay, turn turn two, Yidris, probably the most powerful play in the whole deck. Yes. Is there is there a turn two doomsday in the deck? I'm not yes. sure. For there, sure. There is? Well, actually, I don't know if this list has one. If you got super lucky with your mana rocks and dorks, you could potentially turn to Doomsday with this deck. But most Yidris lists will also run things like, uh, what is it? One black for black, 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 dark, dark ritual. ritual. Mm. 
stuff like that. Specifically to keep your storm count alive, keep your mana count up when you're trying to storm, and hyper super specifically for if you have Black Source, Dark Ritual, and Doomsday in your opening hand. But we're, we're, we're getting off topic. Turn three, Yidris, if not turn two. Wait, so turn one win with Doomsday is off topic? I thought we were talking about tier one Commander, Ryan. When we get to the Doomsday section of the notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turn three or four, swing, go off. Right? So Boom. We, we talked about it. We beat to death. Alternate win, Doomsday. There we go. <laughs> there it is. There we go. Good Jeez. old Doomsday. So Say the line, Ryan. I'm happy that Doomsday exists. But I fucking hate Doomsday. There we go. I hate it. Well, and that's I think let's give it a read. We we've talked about Doomsday until we're blue in the face, but we haven't actually read it yet. And this is one that's specifically weird enough that I'm I'm actually going to read the Oracle text. Okay. I know that's not what Brando does, but so Doomsday, sorcery, black, black, black. Search your library and graveyard for five cards and exile the rest. Put the chosen cards on top of your library in any order. You lose half your life, round it up. So essentially, Dang. your library and graveyard go bye-bye. You get five cards in whatever order you want and half as much life and go. Yes. It also has amazing art on it. I really like that picture. Yes. It's originally like- from, and we don't talk about this, but originally it's from Weatherlight. Huh. So many good things in the EDH community that go completely forgotten about are from Mirage, Visions, and Weatherlight. So many hidden gems in those three sets. I think there's also just a lot of things where, at the time, something like Doomsday, oh, this doesn't seem incredibly, you know, overpowered or too good to print. And now that you have, you know, another 15 years of magic, 20 years of magic on top of that. Yeah. You print things like, oh, we printed Laboratory Maniac. Whoops. Oops. We forgot about Doomsday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nobody's going to be able to draw five cards in one turn. That's insane. For zero mana. Oops. Next week's list, just a little teaser. Next week's list has a hidden gem for Mirage Block. As hidden of a gem as Mundungu when we were talking about our mill decks. Oh, goodness sakes. It's as good as Mundungu. Oh, I'm I'm excited now. Good? Is that like a relative term when it comes to Mundungu? Okay. Yeah. You want to die? Yeah. You want to get tossed you, out this window? You want to get in a fight, Joel? No. I'm we good. can physically reach you now. I Yeah, that's yeah, true. It's not that's just right. F you. It's punch you. Yeah. <laughs> CCO bullies. F you up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Doomsday. You choose five. You put them in a pile and go. So what are the piles? I have two of them here that we could maybe talk about. Let's just talk standard pile first. Like, let's say you go I think Dark Ritual Doomsday. What's the pile? Probably the most important pile in this deck. Um for if you're just learning how to play Doomsday, would be a turbo pile. So the Ooh, way that sounds fancy. So the way that a turbo pile works is you want something that you can spend zero or one mana to win the game after you've cast Doomsday. So probably the easiest way to do that in this deck. I also want to point out that turbo pile sounds like what I have after I eat at Taco Bell. <laughs> so I want to throw that out there. Oh man. <laughs> I was taking a second to just review my brain, and then this happened. (laughs) So with any Doomsday pile that you make, the first thing that you're going to need to do with the pile is break it open, which what you're going to do is you're going to have any of your draw spells in your hand, whether that's Ponder, Brainstorm, Preordain. All those are in the deck. So usually you just have to pay one blue to start getting into the pile. What I mean by a turbo pile is something that'll win 
at zero mana cost. After you break the pile. After you break it open. Okay. So the, the easiest way to do that in this deck is with a card called Gush. Ooh. Do we want to read Gush? Yes, we should read Gush. We talk about Gush lots. Gush is an instant for, technically, four and a blue. You may return two islands you control to their owner's hand rather than pay Gush's mana cost. Seems relevant. Draw two cards. Excellent. So you play it for free and by, draw two by removing or returning two islands. And type island. So you could return underground sea. Exactly. Tropical island, underground sea. Return all those completely fair and balanced dual lands to your hand. <laughs> yes, that you needed to cast other things earlier in the game, like Yidris. Exactly. <laughs> so you return them to your hand, you draw two cards. What do you draw? So with, uh, with this deck, you're most likely going to be drawing a Lion's Eye Diamond. That's in my pile. And a Gataxian Probe. That's also in my pile. So those have been the top three cards of your pile so far. The first one we drew was Gush. Then we drew Lion's Eye Diamond, Gataxian Probe. Yep. Now is when a little bit of abusing how magic actually works takes place. I can't Ooh. imagine. <laughs> what you're going to do is you'll play your Lion's Eye Diamond, which... So Lion's Eye Diamond, we'll just give that a little bit of a read. This is an important card to know how it works. So it's a zero-drop artifact. You sacrifice it and discard your hand to add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. There we go. So what you'll do is you'll play your Lion's Eye Diamond for zero. So if you think about it, we've still spent zero mana so far. Other than your pile breaker. After we've opened up the pile. Yeah. Um, with Lion's Eye Diamond in play, we're going to pay two life to Gataxian Probe someone. So we're going to look at somebody's hand. And the important thing is we draw a card. Yep. Now, here's the fun part. You cast Gataxian Probe, and with Gataxian Probe on the stack, before you've actually resolved the spell... To draw the card. You break your Lion's Eye Diamond for black, black, black. This is the best part. So, <laughs> you discard your hand, which currently has zero cards in it, because Gataxian Probe is in the magical land that we call the stack. Get your three black mana. Gataxian Probe resolves. You look at somebody's hand. You draw a card. What do you draw? That card is a little ditty that I like to call Yogmoth's Will. My favorite card! <laughs> what you do with Yogmoth's Will is, uh, I guess, Ryan, you can explain what Yogmoth's Will does. <laughs> Sorcery. Two, black, play things from your graveyard until end of turn. If they go to your graveyard, they get exiled. Exactly. So what you can do at that point is now you take your Lion's Eye Diamond, you play it out of your graveyard. For free. For free. Because it costs zero. Because it costs zero. Sack it to get three blue mana. Then you can play your Gataxian Probe from your graveyard for two life. Draw a card, your last card, which is a little ditty called Lab Maniac. What you do, play your Lab Maniac for the three blue mana that you got off your Lion's Eye Diamond. Cast Gush again for free and win the game. Yep. You have now spent zero mana after you've broken your pile. Now, nice. the only thing that you need to make sure of that you do have four islands in play. Exactly. Or even with, uh, yes, or three, if you haven't played your land for the turn yet, right? Exactly. If you have three, you can replay one of the ones that you bounced with the first gush. Exactly. Three islands in play without playing a land. And zero manas. I very much like that. Dang. Okay, so that's a turbo pile without cascade. Now, if you do happen to Yidris down through your deck into Doomsday and just want a Doomsday off, there's actually a Cascade pile as well that I think 
is more broken. And we're going to go through it quick because we, we know that this is a little bit dry and hard to listen to. But get this. So you have Cascade active. Your pile is your pile starts with ancestral visions. So you break the pile with random XYZ card draw spell. Any one mana card will break this pile. Yes. Any one mana card because you cascade directly into ancestral visions, which is a suspend spell. So it's got suspend three. So yeah. So the I guess the other cool note that I will note about this pack this pile is I do believe that you can actually do the entire pile win the game at instant speed. You can. So if somebody responds to whatever you're doing, you cast a one mana instant, you can win the game. Very excellent. So Ancestral Visions is a zero cast spell because the only way that you can normally cast it is by suspending it for three turns. You cascade into it and it says, draw three cards. <laughs> you draw your Force of Will, literally any blue card that you could potentially pitch to Force of Will, a Gush. There's Gush again, right? Gush, our friend, that is so, so unfair. Yeah. <laughs> so remember, Force of Will is a counter spell that you pay one life and exile a blue card from your hand to counter target spell. So it's free as long as you have another blue card in your hand. And you do because you drew it with Ancestral Visions. Gush is an instant that you just remove to or bounce two islands to cast for free. You cast Gush. By you, returning two islands. Yeah. You cascade into laboratory maniac and this is when you need your force of will backup because somebody will try and counter that laboratory maniac or if it resolves they'll try and kill it before gush resolves you can counter that with force of will and then when your gush resolves you draw two and win the game with your lab maniac that you just landed i love um, how many times we said resolve and cast and priority uh, we didn't it's, say priority once. we didn't say priority yet yeah, okay it's like a drinking game every time you say it the moral oh, no. of the story is once you've got your doomsday pile you crack it count to six and you win the game exactly and Pretty i think much that's that's actually a really important note is lots of people view doomsday as oh we have five cards we have to count to five no, we're playing Laboratory Maniac yeah. to win. You need to count to six. Yeah, you got to as... draw into that empty library. Exactly. Yeah. You have to draw that empty library. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lab Maniac, man. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about him sometimes. Dirty son of a bitch. So I guess that's how you play the deck. What else do we need to know about having to play the deck that isn't a weakness in the strengths and weaknesses section? Well, I think a lot of competitive like four-player EDH, if you're in a pod of four people and you're playing competitive EDH, is kind of positioning yourself in a place where you can actually go off yeah, safely. You know what? I, I actually had a note on this. When you sit down and you play competitively or you play what we call in our group real decks, yep. we talk about all this stuff going off on turn three, turn four, turn five. It's like you don't actually do that a lot of the time, right? You sit down and it's like turn one, land, rock, turn two, rock, draw, top, filter the top of your library, silver library, whatever. And it's like three or four turns until you see oh, yeah, okay, he's tapped out, or he did that, I got to go off this turn, I have to, or else he's going to win next turn, right? Like, it's not count to turn one, turn two, turn three, win. It's strategically picking when you win. And it, go it goes back to that game we talked about a couple weeks ago where we were all playing real decks, and you went to win, you whiffed, then I tried to win, Ben stopped me, then Ben won. It's all, uh, yeah. it's timing. You can't just, oh, look, I have my turn three win in my hand and then go for it because somebody's going to force you, somebody's going to pack to you, somebody's going to F with you and Pyro you're not going to you. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a like a really common misconception with playing like the real decks 
is lots of people think, oh man, I don't want to play a game that ends on turn two. Whereas usually you're kind of sitting there jockeying for position, finding your space to actually try and combo, try and build up a board presence. Yeah. And I think in different groups, you'll see games that sometimes last as long as a regular EDH deck. They'll take as many spells cast as much time, but it'll only be turn six. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe that's a good segue into the strengths and weaknesses section. If we wanted to start with weaknesses is the this deck and decks like this deck, whether it is the convoluted combo, the doomsday, or the holy crap, what do I counter? Or how do I storm with these cards? Take a very long time to play out turns if you're not very knowledgeable about the game of magic itself and how the timing rules work, or if you're not very practiced with the deck. You uh, you said I tried to win the other night in Wift. Yep. Well, it's because I, I brainstormed incorrectly. I brainstormed and uh, I think Limb Duels vaulted. Yep. At a, at, a, at a weird time, and then I, I didn't get the benefit from putting the Brainstorm cards back on the top of my library. So yeah. I, I whiffed. And th- that's, I guess that's one of the things that I appreciate about the competitive side, like the more tuned, the real decks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, real decks. Um, Call it as it is. Yeah, yeah w- one of the things I, I appreciate <coughs> about that is those little mistakes. Like, you played a one-mana instant incorrectly, yeah. and it lost you the game. Yeah, like what we were saying last week, the smallest crack in the armor is the biggest deal. Yeah. And the biggest crack in the armor you're ever going to find is your deck is too complicated, you don't know how to play it. Or you're <laughs> in a situation you've never been in before, and you choose the wrong thing. And I think that's usually the downfall of most decks like this. Uh, I would say that's a significant portion of the downfall is player error. Yeah. There is infinite number of ways to do things, but there's only maybe half a dozen ways to do them really good and there's only one way to do it optimally and the game is so deep and complex that a lot of times we don't even know what the optimal way is until after you've already not done it (laughs) yes and i think with with that as well you also need to think of what is everybody else doing how does that affect what you're like we were talking before the show about how we could literally sit here and like destroy your ears for two hours talking about how to make doomsday piles yeah that would be the worst most boring thing ever because you actually you need to see that you you need to see somebody do it. you need to do it yourself to actually learn how to play a lot of these decks you can't just you know listen to someone and let's be honest the only doomsday pile anybody really wants to hear about is that taco bell one i mentioned earlier (laughs) let's be really honest And then you wipe your ass with someone else's pants. Yes. <laughs> right? There it is. Jeez. Oh, so good. Okay, so that's a weakness is actually learning, playing the deck. More so than tier two, people see Yidris, they will stomp a mud hole in your ass. Because as soon as he hits the table, they know you're trying to do one thing, and that is to go off right now. Yeah, well, and that's well, what we were talking about earlier. If you hit with Yidris doesn't even matter what you have in your hand. As long as you can cast a couple spells, there's a good chance you're going to do very well that game. Yeah, they don't yes. call it Vintage Light for nothing. The uh, A good comparison would be like um, the Thrasios and Timna deck I'd mentioned earlier before the show is there is a partner commander list. One of the partners is two converted mana. The other one is three. You play them with Birthing Pod, Birthing pod to find a three and a four drop. You don't play them for their abilities really, not at least like you do Yidris. So 
Thrasios hits the table, he's a two-drop, like, scry guy or whatever. It's like, okay, big deal. It costs four mana before you can activate his ability. I'm not going to kill him immediately like I am Yidris. So there's one. Four color requirements. Another weakness. Hard to uh, hard to cast. Leads to a very expensive mana base because, like we said earlier, you have to play him ASAP. And the only way to do that is, like, th the only way to optimally do that if you always want to win with this deck is to get the duels, get the shocks, get the fetches, spend the money, right? And that's, I hate saying that on the show because we're into we're into bad. tier two and one and that sucks but it's a reality if you want to play in tier one you have to shell out a bunch of money and possibly an organ to buy your land base well, it's just how really it is suppose. i remember when i first started playing a lot of edh especially trying to get better at edh one there was one guy in our play group who obviously spent a lot more money on his decks than everybody else and what happened was you had people who just got scared off because this guy has the best mana base. This guy has all this stuff. And he was just crushing everybody with his wallet. And that's crushing him with my wallet. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's a problem I'll never have. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> and that's 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 the one thing that can get difficult about playing these hyper competitive decks. And it's definitely a weakness of the deck. You need to have that card pool. Mm -hmm. Like for people who've been playing for 20 years or, or used to play Legacy. Um, same same exact thing is you sort of, you need to have a play group that has that card pool or is willing to spend the money to play the same game that you're playing. Because when we play Tier 5 Mistform Ultimus, I'm not going to sit down with a Thrasios and Timna deck. I'm not going to sit down with a General Tazri, Animar, Sliver Queen, Maelstrom, Wielder. I'm not going to sit down and play Mistform Ultimus. Because right? yeah. that's no fun, right? Yeah. You, you don't want to yeah. take your... And I think that's... We've talked about this many times before. For a lot of playgroups, the sweet spot of EDH is that Tier 3, Toon Tier 3, Tier 4 kind of list. Yeah. Where There's you, a reason that that's where most of the commanders live, right? Yeah. Exactly. You can be playing your Shocklands and, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to take the two damage. It'll come into play tapped this time. You can play your utility lands, your rogues passage, passage stuff like yeah. that. He used the staple. Good one. Well, it's because it's like the best card for eh, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's playing on the same field as everybody else is huge when it comes to these kinds of decks. To that point, this will be the last thing we touch on on the weaknesses because, I mean, we could go into price all day on it. But if you want to play a Storm-style deck, if you like this kind of deck, if you want to play Doomsday, you could play a Laurel. You're going to cut two of the colors and add white instead. Largely, you're going to get a very similar deck, you know, ad nauseum, Lab Maniac, blah, blah, blah. You could do um, Jaleva or also new C-17 Kess, the wizard that gives you a, a flashback from your graveyard every turn. Those are, I mean, tier one, two decks right there. Yeah. Well, and, like, I think Jaleva's a pretty good example because there are actual quite competitive... Jaleva Storm Jaleva, decks. Yeah, Jaleva, like, budget decks. Yep, but the I guess the uh, the difference is when some people talk about budget being fifty bucks, budget for a competitive EDH deck is about five hundred dollars. Yeah. So that's that's kind of your difference there, right? Whereas this deck, and we'll get into it, if you're looking for a full version of the deck, it's like seven grand. Yeah. And we will in the budget section. I wanna say Moving over to the strength section, you are introducing green, that fourth color, as opposed to the Kess and Jaleva decks. You're introducing green, and that can help with recursion a la Noxious Revival, like what we talked about. It does give you Cascade with Yidris, which makes the deck really kind of easier to play if you can get a swing in on turn three or two. 
or four, whatever. Well, and with the green as well, another thing that benefits this list specifically, this Yidris list plays Paradox Engine, which what Paradox Engine does is it untaps all your non-land permanents whenever you cast a spell. So because you have green, you have all your mana dorks. You got bird, you got bloom tender. Every time you cast a spell, you untap those. You just get more mana. So instead of just being able to play all your rocks and your colorless mana ramp, you also get the green side of things, which is, I think, a pretty big benefit to this list. That's not a negligible advantage to have. I guess that leads into another strength. It's just as fast as other tier one decks, but it does offer you a couple different ways to win. One very condensed uh, doomsday pile and one deck type combo that packs a bunch of disruption so that's that's a, it's a good strength to have we've got runs enough colors to be able to pack answers so i had mentioned pyroblast earlier we talked about force of will no pack to negation in this deck notably but i mean we've also got cyclonic rift we've got counter spells there's we've, nature's claim in this nature's deck. claim you actually have vandal blast too which is really strong when everybody is also playing all of these artifact mana yeah if you overload a vandal blast you kill everybody's artifacts that aren't yours you go in on the control route and then you can immediately flip back to the i'm gonna win the game route in those ga- yeah. in those games where you do something like that where we're talking about how you're waiting a long time you're picking your spot overloading a vandal blast on turn six in a hyper-competitive game, it just creates your spot. That's your own spot. It undoes all it. the work everybody else has done, and now you are clearly ahead. Yeah. And being ahead Van- here... Vandal Blast with Counterspell Backup? Yeah. In tier very, one, very if you're good. first, you're not necessarily last. You're probably going to win. <laughs> yeah. That's probably first, how that you're works. you're last, except for in tier one. If you're first, you're probably going to be first. Yeah. Okay, now, aforementioned budget section. Elephant in the room. Let's get it out of the way. The list plays Time Twister. Oh, God, why? It's like $1,000. So on TCG Player right now, Time Twister is $1,200 American dollars. That's 47,000 Canadian dollars. That's literally the down payment on a house here in Canada. Yes. And houses are expensive here. So let's give that a little bit of a read and then not talk about it ever again. Oracle text or printed text, Brando? Please, Oracle text. Girl. (laughs) Girl. Please, Oracle text. I'm even going to get really close to the monitor so I can do it. Does that say sir? It says set. No, even the typeface is terrible. (laughs) Set time twister aside in a new graveyard pile. Shuffle your hand library and graveyard together in a new library and draw a new hand of seven cards, leaving all cards in play where they are. Opponent must do the same. What the hell did I just read? It's like Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. (laughs) And... I guess the hard part in a lot of these competitive storm decks is if you try to go off and you fizzle, Time Twister is the number one reset button. If you've screwed up, you Time Twister, you can try to go off again the next turn. And that's that's kind of, it's one of the hard parts. People all over, you know, competitive EDH forums are talking, hey, what is our replacement for Time Twister if we don't have, you know, $1,200 in our mattress to spend on one piece of cardboard. The, the answer is there really isn't one. Yeah, the, the unfortunate answer is, yeah, it's it's really hard to replace such there an is, incredibly powerful effect. There is time spiral, but it costs six mana. Well, and see, that's that's the difference, right? If you, you know, six mana is completely, it's in a different playing oh, I, field. I, yeah. I fizzled my storm, and now I need six mana somewhere to reset. Oh, a little bit tricky to do. Yes. Three mana? Yeah, you might have that kicking around in your mana pool, even after your storm has fizzled. And yes. Just for a rainy day. It like also time becomes twister. one of those things that you tutor up, too. Yep. If if you have nothing, 
and you have you rip a tutor off the top of your deck, what's something that I can get? Oh, I guess I'll get Time Spiral or Ad Nauseum, depending on the game situation, right? Those cost six and five. If you get Time Twister, that costs three. Then you have a seven-card hand again, and you can continue storming. Let's there say you if go. you have an Ether Flux Reservoir on the battlefield. That, case in point, is why this uh, extremely expensive magic card is really hard to replace in these decks and why lots of the time if you aren't if you're if your play group isn't willing to let you throw a proxy in for that card (laughs) which you know if you're trying to go to a tournament you can't just throw a proxy in your deck or you'll get in trouble right so i guess including time twister tapped out has this deck at forty one hundred dollars and forty one seventy three dollars four thousand one hundred and seventy three so forty two hundred bucks Forty two hundred American dollars. Yeah, so that's a million Canadian. At with, least. With that uh number, doesn't that also exclude all the dual lands? No, I added those in. Oh, you added those in? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We I was I was thinking when I was doing it, I was like, holy crap, the deck's already at like three thousand dollars. And I have to add a tropical island and an underground. And I added all these cards. I'm like, forty two hundred, what the hell? And then I seen, oh yeah, time twister. Oh yeah, time twister's <laughs> in here. There you go. Okay, so we we're talking about tier one. We're not going to give you a whole ton of ways to to uh, reduce the price of this deck, but I think it's worth going into some notable includes or excludes. Uh, Pact of negation, not in the deck. Zero converted mana cost counterspell because. You don't want to cascade into it, correct? Yeah, because then you'd have to counter your own thing. Well, I guess you don't have to with, cast yeah, it. But. With cascade, if you flip something you don't want to cast, you don't need to. But it pretty much gives you a useless cascade, right? Yeah, why would you fizzle yourself like that? Yeah, What's the y- point? you want your cascades to be hitting mana or cards. You want to draw seven cards or three cards or get three mana. Exactly. Yeah, you could have uh, you could have a double protection doomsday pile with pact and force of will backup, provided you had a blue card in your hand before you cracked or after you cracked your pile. So there is reason for it to be in there and it does see play in non Yidris storm decks. There is a couple points that we want to make where you, you might want to cut green and play a different deck or cut green except for just maelstrom wielder Yidris. But, uh, you would lose maybe a potential include in carpet of flowers. One of Joel's favorite competitive or tier one cards. So yeah, I guess there was kind of, there was two cards that I wanted to mention when it came to competitive commander and uh, this deck specifically that I would have put into the deck, uh, one of which is Carpet of Flowers, which is um, one of the best ramp spells in multiplayer EDH. We're going to give it a read here, but my keyboard didn't work, so Brandon's going to type it in. So Carpet of Flowers is a enchantment for green at the beginning of each of your main phases. If you haven't added mana to your mana pool with this ability this turn, you may add X mana of any one color to your mana pool where X is the number of islands target opponent controls. So why this spell is so good? Just hold on. That That is a little bit confusing way to say during a main phase you get mana equal to the number of islands somebody has. So in competitive EDH, everybody is playing... Well, not everybody. I'd say solid 80-85% of decks are playing islands. Yes. What Carpet of Flowers lets you do is, if you're not going first, let's say that you're the third guy at the table, somebody's already played island in a mana rock, you go main phase one, Carpet of Flowers. Move to my... Post-combat main phase, trigger Carpet of Flowers, I get a mana because they have a land in play. Then you can use that to cast other things. Ooh. And then every turn after that, in either your first main phase or the post-combat main phase, 
you get as many mana of any color that you choose equal to the amount of islands that one of your opponents has in play. So Carpet of Flowers, very good. And of note, 27 lists in the Tier 1 and 2 category of the list that we're looking at. 16 of them include blue. Mm -hmm. um, not all of them Not all of them are blue-based. Some of them just include blue just randomly. Because you sort of need blue. Like, like General Tazri, yeah, she wins with a blue ally. but and, and, I mean, she's got lots of blue in her. But, I mean, really, some of these decks that are blue contain food chain combos, and that's how they win. Um, but they just have blue in them. Well, but if, not negligible that 16, or, uh, yeah, 16 of the 27 lists have blue in them. Well, yeah. and if you're sitting down at a table <laughs> with three other people... And Someone you're all pulling blue. out your real decks. There's going to be at least one other person who has blue. If there's not, if, if everybody's yeah. pulling out tier one or one point five lists, in some games two other people are going to have blue. In some games everybody's going to have blue. In some games somebody's going to have blue. Yeah, realistically, that's what that stat tells me is somebody's going to have blue all the time. Yes. Yeah, and then the other card that I wanted to mention is actually a blue enchantment, and this, yeah, blue. Yeah, yeah. blue because it's it's super fair. Um, this card's card is called Mystic Remora, which do you guys want to give that one a read? Let super me see quick? if I know this one off of memory. So this is an enchantment from Ice Age originally. Correct. And it costs blue. Yes. And whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, you draw a card unless they pay four, and it's got cumulative upkeep of one. Exactly. You win the prize. So Got it! This card You thought is, I was going to forget the cumulative upkeep. Yeah, I thought that because on the card, cumulative upkeep is at the top, so I thought <laughs> you were going to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what this card is good at is on turn one, turn two is probably when it's the best, but that's any, you know, spell that relies <laughs> off other people. If you play Mystic Remora turn one and you are the first or the second player to play... Everybody at the table still has their mana rocks, mana dorks in hand. And almost every competitive deck will be playing different rocks and dorks. So you, might, you might draw, you could draw one or two. No, you could draw three cards in a four-man uh, pod. Potentially three, three cards, but for your second turn in a four-man pod, right? Exactly. So you can get back to your turn and you've already played three cards on turn one. And you have a hand of 10, and you draw for your turn. So you mean to tell me that just by adding Joel to this podcast, we've gone from swinging with Yidris and winning on turn two to turn one carpet of flowers into second main phase Mr. Cremora into draw three cards into then do that? Yes. Nice. Spicy. And that's, that's one of the... Uh, in a lot of decks that have both blue and green, that's like your dream turn one play yeah is turn one carpet into second main phase mystic remora because what you can then do comes around cumulative upkeep happens which do we want to explain how cumulative upkeep works no okay no. it's terrible <laughs> it's, it's horrible okay if you care look it up yourself so you pay one mana to keep your mystic remora around and usually after turn two after the second turn cycle of having it you don't even care if it goes away because you've drawn so many cards Six, seven cards, eight mm -hmm. cards. And that's pretty good mana investment. Eight cards for one. That's, that's yeah, like not bad, yeah. Ancestral Recall on steroids. Yeah. That's one of the best cards ever. I love steroids. Russians Just... also love steroids. What? Russians. Oh, yeah, they got yeah. kicked out yes, of the they Olympics. Got in the Olympics. Yeah, that sucks. Oh, my buddy John uh, from Calgary, when I used to do Skeleton Luge, he got seventh at the Sochi Olympics, and the dude in Russia that was favored to win just got tested positive 
or some performance enhancing substance. Oh, get wrecked. He got the boot and my buddy John got bumped up to sixth place at the Olympics. Nice. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. That's excellent. He wasn't even the top ranked Canadian going in and he came out the top ranked Canadian and now sixth place in uh, the Olympics. Way to go, Ryan's buddy John. Yeah, he's good. He's over at my house the other day. I was going to talk to him about that, but I was at work. So yeah. F him for not bringing home the silver or gold. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that's what they Dang. say. If you ain't first, you're in sixth probably. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's take a little bit of a different direction here. Ways to make it more fun, easier to play, and my favorite, less expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that there are a lot of pretty easy cuts just budget-wise. You can pull out all your dual lands, yep. which that's, how much is that? A million. dollars $1,000? Let's say 1000 It's probably 800 bucks with the ones that are in here. Let's say 800 bucks for duels and 1200 for Time Twister. That's two grand right there. We've already mm. saved $2,000. Yeah. And we've got five cards. So, yeah. And with this deck, if you're thinking you're still going to be spending money, you're still going to probably want to keep at least shock lands well, hold probably on a sec. some fetch lands. Hold, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Last week, we talked about 10 tri lands. Five uh, fetches, ten shocks in a five-color mana base, and that was adequate for turn four or five Sliver Queen with some ramp. That's the mana base I play in my five-color dragon deck, albeit that deck is slower than this deck. But what if you transform this deck away from Storm? And, uh, of course, I know that that would mean it's not a Tier 1 deck anymore, but the original thing that people started to talk about when Yidris came out in Commander 16 was... What if you had multiple attack steps with them and you hit and you hit again, then you hit again, all your spells get cascade, cascade, cascade. He's like Maelstrom Wanderer on drugs. What if we built that deck? Also, I want to point out, being on drugs doesn't necessarily make you sweet. Okay. No. Don't do drugs. Yeah. Winners don't use drugs. I learned that from arcade games when I was a kid. You did drugs when you were a kid? No, I just read the little screen on the arcade games that said, winners don't do drugs. Oh, yeah? And I'm not addicted to heroin today, so it worked. Good job, arcade games. Yeah. There you go. No heroin for Brando. Thank so you, Mortal just, Kombat. Just down that line a little bit, I mean... Um, fatality. <laughs> yeah, you you didn't get a fatality because you're still alive. There it is. And you're like ripping like, people's spines out, but don't do coke. <laughs> yeah, That'll no, be yeah. bad. Absolutely. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> we went there. I was going to talk about Relentless Assault and Fury of the Horde and Seize yeah. the Day. These are all cards that give creatures multiple attack uh, phases. What if you went um, Yidris, multiple attack, Voltron, cascading into pump spells? That's still fast, provided yeah. you play some ramp. That Isn't actually it? sounds pretty spicy, too. Pretty like, neat, if, yeah. if you were to play things like, uh, I don't know, there's lots of really good pump spells that cost, you know, three, four mana. And usually... You stay away from those because they're so expensive. But if, if you can pay cast, five to get an extra attack step anyway. Yeah, if you can cast something that costs five and it cascades into another pump spell, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, never mind. You you start with um, Fury of the Horde, like cost seven, nine or whatever it is. You can pitch two red cards to cast it for free. So that's obviously what you do after you attack with Yidris. You get an extra attack step plus your cascade from six to nothing whatever you hit that's the only that could deck be another attack step it's the only deck that's acceptable to play might of oaks in because that yeah. card sucks yeah. might of oaks could be good i think uh what's the delve pump spell uh become immense become immense yeah and then there's Cost one seven? there's one from onslaught yeah. as well that it gives enchanted creature plus seven plus seven Ooh. 
you could, you could uh, cascade into multi-attack phase cards and get three or four or five attack steps in a turn. This and is magical Christmas stack line up, a little yeah. bit. They all stack up. And every time you cast the next one of those or, or the next one mana pump spell from your hand, you get to cascade like two mana, three mana pump spell from your hand. You get to cascade two or three or four or five times. Eventually, you're going to hit like a berserk or something and double his combat damage and or like a uh, tainted strike or uh, what's the one red gives double strike? Assault strobe. Assault yeah. strobe. Well, and he's pretty big to begin with, too, right? Like he has a five front, right? So that's yeah. four hits on his own. All he needs is two more power to become three pump chump. I love a good three pumper. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that that could be fun. I mean, who knows? Maybe you cut the Doomsday package because it's it's pretty competitive. It's uh, it's kind of hard to 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 do sometimes. Just just and Doomsday is never it. like it's never a feel good thing ever. When you resolve yeah, a Doomsday, I've resolved a yeah. good good one or two Doomsdays in my day. I sometimes it never it makes you feel yeah. dirty. Some, yeah. Sometimes Doomsday is sweet, like if you don't have a gush and you need to try and figure out in your brain what you can do to make a pile that'll actually work. It's like, oh, I think I have a Knight's Whisper in this deck. Let's see if I can, you know, make this work. But yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of one of the, it's a less fun. I'm looking at Brando. Me and him drink too much to do this. Yeah. Joel doesn't drink <laughs> as much when he plays Magic. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know what I just thought is a really good uh, anti-Lab Maniac card? Anti-Kiki-Jiki card? Anti-all kinds of... Volcanic Fallout. I know it costs three. But it really does some work in a deck like this, doesn't it? I think so. Because it kills well, Lab Maniac. We're playing Vandal Blast in this deck. Yeah. Well, I think that's one thing that Ryan will like. We're playing Pyroblast is, in this deck for Christ's well, sake. And lots of these Tier 1 decks do play Lightning Bolt if Ooh. they are red. I like these. Yeah. And, you know, I like how he says me, but you're the red player. Right? <laughs> but everybody always like shits on Lightning Bolt in our play group because it's like, Lightning Bolt doesn't kill anything that's relevant. I run Lightning Bolt in like two decks. I run it in zero decks. I, I actually cut it in one deck. Exactly. But in a format where the main creatures that you're playing are mana dorks. Or Bolt Dark Confidant. Or Bobs, yeah. yeah. Really easy, nice one mana way to clean up a lot of crap. We've and, talked about this before. Remember, remember we were talking about... Um, as per edhrec.com, the downward trend in average converted mana cost of commander decks as yep. I won't say the format gets figured out, but as people want to start to do more and more competitive things, how long, if we're already talking about playing Lightning Bolt, how long before we start to see things like Fatal Push and Tarmogoyf in EDH? Ooh. Well, and like Mox Diamond is 150 bucks now. Lion's, Lion's Eye, Eye Diamond's Diamond. a buck 40, yeah. 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 I think that this multiple attack step Yidris is starting to sound better and better. It sounds, <laughs> it's probably sounds like it's going to be a lot more fun, a lot more attainable. Let's move right into card, card of the of week. week. week, 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 week. <laughs> Aether Flux Reservoir, I think. I think in a format of 40 life, if you're playing a deck like this, if you're playing a little bit of the black white life gain dot deck like we talk about so often, or just incidental life gain that is very good in a Voltronless meta. Aether Flux Reservoir is going to get you there. Wouldn't this also be sweet in like what is it? Aloro? Isn't that the dude who gets you life when sitting oh, yeah, in the command yeah, yeah. zone? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uninteractable things. Yeah. Don't trigger those. Brando. Yeah. <laughs> just just sits there and then oh, it's been four turns and nobody's killed me. I go to one, but you're dead. I'm gonna dust somebody. Yeah. Absolutely. Life sucks. So I like that. It's 83 cents, six-time foil multiplier. Wow. That's pretty high. 
Well, that that kind of makes sense. It's it's a card that's seen a lot in yeah. EDH. Like yep. a lot of people play them, even when you're not playing super competitive yeah. stuff. It's that's just the, that's like the indicator good. of it being an EDH card, really. Yeah, is when I the foil so. is worth so much more. Or or a vintage card. Yeah, it's vintage, yeah. or it was only printed oh. in foil once. But like very few exceptions. Shit like this. EDH card. Yeah. Milk list. <laughs> milk list. Okay, we're going to milk list. It's going to be awesome. These are the number one cards at each converted mana cost in the color combination we're looking at, which is Glint Eye. Uh, yeah, the non-white one, as per EDHREC.com. Okay, here we go. Zero drop. Mana Crypt. Yes. Sol Ring. Yes. Simic Signet. Yes. Chromatic Lantern. No. Whispering Madness. Nope. Reforge the Soul. Nope. What's that, the five one? Yep. Uh, are we playing that one? Reforge the Soul? Hell no, dude. Too nope. slow. Yeah, we're not playing that. Eth Ethereum Horn Sorcerer. That is the <laughs> what? Minotaur Cascade one. No, we're not playing that. How about Dragon Mage? Definitely not. Treasure Cruise. Mm, that's the eight drop? Yep. Nope. In Garrick's Wake? Nope. Cosmic Butcher of Truth? Nope. Temporal Trespass? Nope. It the Betrays? Nope. Emrakul the Promised End? Nope. Blink Moth Infusion? No. <laughs> Draco. Dude, this Definitely is a Blink not. Moth Infusion deck. Oh, yeah. I would love to fucking add nauseam into Blink Moth Infusion. Wouldn't that oh. be just great? <laughs> <laughs> no. How many do we get? Three. Three. The bottom three. The, the zero, one, and two. Yeah, the three that you would definitely expect. Yeah. Huh. So that's always fun. Did three it. milk list matches. That's all good. It's about what you'd expect, I suppose. It's pretty, pretty bland. Y yeah. Speaking of bland, we're going to get into the spicy calculator. And while the deck itself, I mean, from the outside looking in, lots of people think that these tier one or 1 1.5 lists are pretty spicy. They're, they're, they're hyper-tuned, competitive. They play lots of expensive, cool cards that you might not see in EDH that often. But according to our spice calculator, they are not. At the time I made the notes, 2,162, 2,162 Yidris list. By far and away the most popular pierced penis commander. That's what I think when I think Glintai. <laughs> oh God, why? Yeah. You know what is funny? I drank a bunch of cough syrup before this show. <laughs> and none of you guys even made a Prince Albert joke about and me drinking a bunch of cough syrup straight out of the bottle. And here so, we are in the spice calculator and I make a Prince Albert joke. Yeah. So Yes. If, kids. If it was like Take Listerine. your safe search off and Google Prince Albert piercing. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh Anyways. Boy. Um, so what's Prince Albert named after the dude or the piercing? Uh, I want to say the dude because it's like a 200-year-old city. Okay. That's yeah, fair. Didn't have was the piercing named after the dude or the city? Probably the city. Probably the city. Let's be honest. Yeah. This sucks there. <laughs> okay. Uh, number one. Pierced penis commander, absolutely. Average converted mana cost, 2.17. Dang. The lowest we've ever done, for sure, because it's just a storm deck. Theoretical critical turn, three, because we're going to hammer out Maelstrom Yielder. Turn two, three. Wielder. I win. can't even say his name anymore. Attack, win on turn four. Optimal game size, four, like the tier four list or the tier two list. The tier yeah. one list is turn Joel 14. had mentioned before recording that just with a couple of the excludes that we had, like Mr. Kamora, Carpet of Flowers, it felt more like a... 1v1-ish deck? Oh, yeah. yeah the, is... This list specifically kind of... There was a lot of things that kind of looked a little bit more like 1v1. Like, in in the multiplayer ones, there's a lot of stuff, yeah, that takes advantage of there being a lot of people, like three other decks. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of take advantage because other people are going to wheel 
Like somebody else is going to make you discard your hand and draw seven. So you kind of need to be able to take advantage of that too, right? Yep. Yep. That's tough. Well, yeah. we're going to uh, link Joel's example Yidris deck in the notes and Stormy Maelstrom, our uh, our actual list for the day in the show notes. And with the eight tutors and all the other stats we just read, we've got a 41 uniqueness on edhrec.com. Bicey Calculator says that this deck is a 26. That's not very good. Not very good. No, it's bread with mustard on it. And some is pe- it at least like spicy mustard from McDonald's? No. Nah. What uh, about bread with mustard? Then you take like your uh, ramen noodles, the little spice packet, and you sprinkle that on top of your mustard bread. I think that oh, just just because it's a pretty competitive tune deck. I yeah, think exactly. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, and it's, I artificial think spice. A yeah. lot. A lot of what happens with the the more kind of casual decks when we're playing are just tier three decks. Your tutors are pretty like you always get the same thing with a tutor in yeah. a tier three deck. You know, a Two. good a good portion of the time. Okay, okay. With this, I think, even though there's nine tutors in the deck, I think that's the number we said. Eight tutors. Eight tutors. Lots of the time with those eight tutors, you end up getting different cards. Because it might be, oh, my hand is empty, I need to time twister. You, oh. get, you get the card that is going to win you the game. And yeah. that's why tutors so much more in decks like this reduce the redundancy or the uh, uh, unique gameplay experiences. Because you're going to tutor for what wins you the game because the average power level of cards is just so much, so higher. much higher and they're so redundant depending exactly. on the in-game situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, 26. That's uh, not a very high point to mm. end on for the end of the arc of Escalation. But next week's deck is going to be so yeah. sick. Well, it's just like anything else, right? You go up to the top of the mountain, and you get to the top. You've pinnacles, you've crested, and then you just fall off the other side, all the way down to the bottom. You're back in the dumper. It's kind yeah. of where we hit right there. It's like, yay, we're you're, at the top of the tiers. You're back, what did you call it? Uh, t- you're back in the turbo pile. Yeah, you're back in the turbo pile. <laughs> oh, God. There you go. <laughs> anything, is there anything else we need to say Anything else that about? you want to add before I talk about drinking beer and the... $800 worth of booze I stocked my bar with. Oh, shit. And my absinthe came in. Oh, shit. Um, maybe we'll go to my house and drink after. Joel, final thoughts. Put him on the spot. He's not good at it yet. Eh, um, I think with uh, competitive EDH, like these like real decks, and we did touch on this a little bit earlier, but I do definitely want to mention that a lot of the time it kind of gets a really bad rap for not being interactive, decisions not mattering, because, oh, somebody's just going to combo on turn two. One thing that I think, once you've played a little bit of the format, you you realize that when you're playing with these real decks, each decision you make makes or breaks the game. And I think it's a different style of playing. It's a beginning of the night before you're, you know, four beer deep style of play. Or eight. <laughs> yeah, or eight. Whatever. Um, but no, I think it's, it's, it's something that's fun to try out. And it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea, that's for sure. Well said. Final thoughts of the day? Final thoughts of the day. It is our last show before the end of the year, the end of 2017. We've rung it in. Thanks for thanks to Joel. F you for being here. Hell yeah. There it is. I like saying that. Yep. So person. we're going we're gonna to go drink. We're going to be responsible about it, though, because it is the end of the year. Everybody get home safe. Have a safe and prosperous new year, and we will see you again soon with a new episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song. <laughs> Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs>